You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Luke tonight, if you would. And uh, Brother uh, Treber and I were talking about the time he went to uh, speak at the schools there at First Baptist Church in Hammond. And I got to do that about 25 or 30 years ago. Brother Howells called and said, could, had somebody call and say, could you come and speak at the graduation service? You know, when someone says graduation, I, I just don't get excited to speak at some place like that. You've got you to be smart. You're supposed to be smart to speak at a place like that, number one. So you get, I was nervous. Just sitting there with all those people with their robes on and their all their stuff and they're smart. So you got to act like they're smart. So it's pretty hard. And, but uh, I never forget that night. I was so nervous for several reasons. But the, so the principal gets up and he said, oh, we want to introduce the valedictorian. Okay. She walks up and he said she had like a four point something, oh, oh, whatever it was, you know, her grade. And he said, yeah, she never made a single B in all of high school. And so, oh, what, what I was going to say, you know. And so finally, Brother Howells introduced me, and I just told the students, I said, you know, I, I'm glad to be here tonight, and, and I have something in common with your valedictorian, because I never made a single B in high school either. And uh, uh, I didn't make any A's, by the way. It was all C's and D's. But uh, the worst thing that night was Brother Howells was sitting, and sitting behind me when I preached. And that's intimidating, you know. And, uh, of course, he loves people, but, you know, you're nervous, especially if you were a student there. And uh, I got about halfway through the message, and I knew there was something wrong. I just couldn't figure it out, you know. And when you're preaching, it's hard to think about, about other stuff. And all of a sudden, I realized what the problem was. I was preaching one of his sermons. <laughs> Literally. That, that sermon came to a close pretty quick. I mean, I wasted, oh, I was trying to, how can I end this? It doesn't sound right, but I figured it out somehow. I, and after the service, we walked back up. There's a hall with the old auditorium back to the office. I was hoping to say he didn't have time or something. No way, man. So we're going up the stairway, and he said, uh, Brother Rick, he said, I think I've heard that uh, sermon before somewhere. I shouldn't have said this. You know why? Because there gets you. I said, uh, Brother Howes, have you ever preached somebody else's sermon? And he turned around and said, Brother Rick, not while they're sitting right behind me. Not that, no. Never get Brother Howes, could you? He would always come out ahead of you. But I want to preach tonight on uh, something that's uh, dear to my heart. Jesus' passion for his mission. His passion for his mission. Now, you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 8. I want to read one verse here at the beginning. We'll go through other parts of it. The Bible says that when much people were gathered together and were come out of every city, he spake by a parable. Now, when Jesus gave this sermon, he was frustrated. I'm not sure that's the right word to say. Grieved. Um, because he was, he was speaking about his mission in life, his purpose in life. And he was going to, he was speaking about the parables. About, uh, and the, each of the parables had the same meaning. 
And he uh, was, the parables were about, he wanted to teach his, his disciples that every disciple's purpose in life was spreading the gospel. And in this message, if you look carefully, he, he, dramatic, he made a dramatic change in the way he preached the message because he, would, he told the story of each parable, but he did not tell the meaning of the parable. He was so, I don't know if the word upsets right, but he was so focused on what he's doing and people weren't listening. He just decided he wouldn't tell the people the meaning of the, of the, sermon, of the uh, parables because he knew that those people were not going to listen to what he was saying. They would listen. They would like it. He was interesting, but they were not going to obey him. They were not going to follow what he wanted them to do with their lives. And so he decided he would only tell the meaning of those parables to his disciples who loved him and who were going to obey. No, they weren't perfect. He knew that. And they had a ways to go, but he knew in the end they would all be faithful. And they would do what he wanted them to do, spread the word of God, and almost all of them gave their lives as martyrs. And so he only told them uh, the parable. And so, um, we, you know, this, 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 this parable is given not, not so long before uh, Jesus spoke those words in John 9, chapter 4, which is a message I preached that night at First Baptist Church about night cometh. And that became my last verse because Jesus spoke about time was very short. But in Luke chapter 8, in those parables, Jesus is given a message. And then in Luke chapter 9, the, the events of Christ continue. And then if you have the harmony of the gospel, you can just go over there and you can look at the, the, the events continue in, in John chapter 7, 8, 9. So when Jesus spoke those words in John 9, 4, I, I must do the works, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh. Those words are spoken not months or weeks, not years, after he gives these parables. And have, they have a, a meaning. Uh, they, they correlate together. So um, and the, the parables, again, I believe were about his passion for his mission. Look at verse number 8 again in uh, chapter uh, 8. And th in this verse, we're ending the first uh, parable, which is the sower of the seed. And this is the last, this is the ending of the, the parable when it says, and other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried. Now the word cry does not mean he wept. He's burdened. He is so burdened. He is so focused on what he wants to do. And he, and he said, he that hath an ear, let him hear. That means he's warning them. You better listen to me. This is serious. And, and, and his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? Why aren't you telling the people what this means? And Jesus said in verse 10, and he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that they seen might not see, and hearing might not understand. He said, I'm only going to share the meaning of these parables to those that are going to actually do it. Now, these parables, there's like seven or eight of them in that sermon. They all have the same, basically the same meaning. And I'll briefly share those parables, very briefly. The, the parable of the sower of the seed 
was given to show us that the purpose in the life of every believer, every Christian, is to sow the seed and spread the gospel. It's very clear. In the parable of the candle, we find that the purpose of a candle is not to bring a nice fragrance to a room. It's not to give a decor, decorate a room. It's the purpose of a candle is to give light to those that are in darkness. In the parable of the mustard seed, it teaches us that it is possible to spread the gospel very quickly and that, that we should have the faith to believe that we can reach the world. And you talked about Kevin Wynn. I've never met a man more focused on his work than Kevin Wynn. He believes. He believes in what, that God can do anything. And the, the, uh, the parable of Pearl Great Price, I love that parable, teaches that there are many good things in life, but there's only one great thing. And that our main purpose in life is spreading the gospel. And how wonderful it is, that parable, how wonderful it is and satisfying it is to be a part of God's work. And you know, you folks here, I, I was thinking about that verse today, you folks here at North Valley Baptist Church have been serving the Lord and you've experienced how fun it is and how wonderful it is to be a part of God's work. Isn't it great to be a part of God's work? Amen. Amen. I, love being, I love doing this. It's not easy, is it? But it's, it's, it's exciting. Amen. We get to do something that has meaning. We get to help Jesus with the main reason that he came to this earth. And then the, the last one I want to share is a hidden treasure that was found as a man goes out into a field and finds a treasure. He sells a treasure, and he comes back and buys the field that he found it in. It's interesting. And Jesus' message is that, I believe in this parable, that God gave us a great treasure. That is our lives. He wants us to take our lives and use it all for one thing. That is for his kingdom. He wants us to go and buy the field and reach the world. He wants us to give up our lives and spread the gospel. And so Jesus gave these parables, and Sometime around this time, the Bible doesn't say, I've tried to figure out, just reading it over and over, when it was maybe right when he started the messages or before or after, but, but his mother and his brothers came and they were concerned about his safety and they had a reason to be so. They, they almost killed him in Nazareth and, and John the Baptist had just been put in prison and, and uh, the religious leaders hated him. There was a lot of uh, hate and, and people that wanted to hurt him and so they came to rescue him uh, from being um, you know, possibly being killed or hurt. And they, when they came, they found out uh, pretty quickly that he had no intention of being rescued. Uh, they, th in fact, the crowd was so big, they weren't even able to get to him. So they sent a messenger to Jesus and said, um, tell him we want to talk to him. We've got to help. We've got to help him. We're going to take him home and protect him. And, and um, so he, the messenger came to Jesus and when he said, and you know, Jesus was very gracious. When this man came and said, your mother and brothers want to see you, this is what he said in Luke chapter 8, verse 21. First he said, who is my brother, or who is my mother, my brother? And he said in chapter 8, verse 21, and he answered and said unto them, my mother and my brother are these which hear the word of God and do it. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 49, it's the same story. It says, and he stretched forth his hands toward his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. He said, I've, I've got a different family. And it's one that I, I love my family, would, might have said, but he said, this is my real family. They are doing what I need. They help me fulfill God's purpose in my life. They're helping me to spread the gospel. Now, 
We're going to go now to John chapter 4, John chapter 9, I'm sorry. And Jesus is, again, not so long after this, these parables were given, he's focused again on his mission, and he's burdened that his own disciples will stay on track because they're not, and they get sidetracked with things, and they're they, they misunderstand events that are happening. In this event, John chapter 9, he, they come across a, a man who had been blind since birth. And the, So let's read verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I mean, it's not even logical. How can he... How can he sin before he's born blind and be blamed for that sin? It didn't make sense. Why would you ask that question? And secondly, it wasn't important. They missed the purpose. How could you? The miracles weren't were, They're talking about something that just didn't matter. And they were good people. You know, a lot of good people are not focused on God's purpose. And like the disciples who would later. And uh, Jesus said these words. He said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He said, you are, what you're saying is not important. This is, you're missing the point of this miracle. This man was born blind for a reason that God would be glorified and people would be drawn to him. They would honor him. The important thing about this miracle is that God can use this, this man's life to bring honor and glory and to, and to further his kingdom. And he was saying to his disciples, wake up. Listen to what I'm saying. Focus on what's important. Time is short and with emotion and with much determination. He said these words, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. You know, God is, he, he, Jesus was very passionate about his life and his ministry. And he, he got up every day and worked hard. You read his life. He worked so hard. Hard work brings power in your life. God uses that. And Jesus worked very hard, and, and he said, I must work the works. And he didn't waste a day in his life. He went out, when he went out to pray and to spend time alone, he did it for a purpose. And it wasn't wrong to get a little rest, but he's begging us. He's begging his disciples, and today he's begging us, please, I need your help. Help me fulfill my will. And he uses these words about night coming, let us know that our lives are very short. Night comes very quickly. James verse 4, verse 14 says, Wherein ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? Is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And little boy reminded us this morning about how short our lives are. Oh, well, I'm sorry. It just seems like yesterday. You know, I look back on my life. It just seems like yesterday. I grew up in a little town, Miami, Oklahoma. My dad was a pastor there for 27 years. And uh, he was, his town was about 12,000 people. And our church was not a Baptist church, but it was the biggest church in town and averaged about eight to 900 people on Sundays. My dad had a, had a hobby. He loved to speak on the radio. He, was a, he just liked to do it, and then for free, he broadcasted. He had a, had a religious program, but he also loved sports, and he had a daily sports program, uh, 20, 15 minutes a day, five days a week, and he got to know people in the town that way. He, he did play-by-play -play, um, uh, broadcasts. He broadcast college football games. We had a junior college there. 
He did high school football games and high school basketball and junior college basketball. He did boxing. He did baseball. He did rodeo. He did parades. He did anything he could do to get on the radio because he just liked it. And he started a, a, a television program, a religious program later. But when I was young, people called me. They didn't know my name. They called me Little Russ. My dad was Russ Martin, so they called me Little Russ or Russ Martin, son, you know. When I was 13 or 14 years old, I went to camp, and I loved the church camp. And I, I wasn't saved at that time. It wasn't about, I wasn't born again. And, but I, I went forward, and I wanted to be a full-time Christian worker. So I went to Bible college when I was 18 years old. And, and um, I, did, I knew I wasn't saved. I knew who Jesus was. But I did not know him personally. And during my second year in college, someone, I don't remember who it was, invited me to a Baptist church. I went to that church, and I sat up in the balcony, and that night the preacher told about salvation. I didn't get saved that night, but I was just, I, I was looking. I mean, I, I knew, I, I knew that, I, I didn't know that you could be sure you're going to heaven. And when he talked about that, I said, is that in the Bible? Uh, really? Because I believe the Bible. I went back on Thursday night, and I sat there, they moved the, 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 the revival meeting to the auditorium. I had, I'd been in that auditorium. My dad had broadcast there as a memorial, house, memorial hall there in Joplin, Missouri. I'd wrestled there when I was in high school. I'd seen basketball games there. It wasn't very far from our, our town. And that night I sat in the balcony, and that night he said, you can, John, 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you can know that you have eternal life. And I got my Bible. Is that in there? I didn't see that in Read it, and that night, all alone, I said, I said, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I put my trust in you, nothing else. And, and I got saved. And, and I know I don't believe in lordship salvation, that we get saved by making Jesus the Lord of our life. But that night, I did. I went back to the dorm, and I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want, I, thank you for what you did. And I said, Lord, help me. i got to tell somebody about this. And the next day went by, and I didn't do anything, and Saturday I had a date with a, with a girl, and I said, Lord, help me. Let me talk to that girl. And so went out, and about halfway through our date, I said, could I tell you something that happened to me the other day? It's really neat. I want to tell you about it. And I told her how I got saved. And I said, you know, you could do that too. And she said, what do I do? I said, well, let me tell you what I did. I just was alone, and I, I, I put my trust in Christ. You have to trust him. You can't trust your works. You can't trust the church. You can't trust all those things. You've got to trust Jesus alone, what he did for you. And if you'll do that, he will give you salvation. You can be sure you're going to heaven. I showed her that verse in the Bible, 1 John 5, 13. And she accepted the Lord. And that week, I led several people to the Lord. And for some reason, right after that, we were, today it was so interesting. These guys were giving their testimonies about their wives and missionaries. You're brave men. They were sharing about how their wives fell in love with them, not how they fell in love with their wife. And uh, the ones whose wives weren't there. But uh, the other ones, they were more careful with what they said. But, but uh, I met my wife. I, I, I prayed, said, Lord, that night after I had a date with that girl, she was a very good girl, but I knew she wasn't the right person for some reason. And I said, Lord, show me my wife. And I said, I don't care who it is. Just I'll marry, I'll show me who it's going to be. I want her to love you. I'll show me someone that loves you with all their heart. And two and a half weeks later, I was, I was working at McDonald's. That's how I made my way through school. I liked working there. I liked to eat food and but I went home that night on Valentine's Day, February the 14th, and our school was having a Valentine's party for visitors that would come to the school. A good way to get students in Bible school, I guess. So, uh, and, 
and uh, Becky and a group from another church in Indiana was there. And so I walked in and in that place, had gotten off work at McDonald's, I smelled like a Big Mac or a hamburger or french fries or something. And I looked across the room and I saw her and the other group and said, those people aren't from here. And I went over and said, I think I'll go talk to them. And I walked up to Becky and I started talking and, and talking. And she just sat there staring at me and like, what are you doing? And kept talking and talking. And finally I stopped and she said, you know, you're weird. <laughs> I knew she liked me. It was just the way that she expressed it, you know. Somebody protect me after the service, please. But uh, I knew she fell in love with me. But uh, you know what? That, that night, I sat down with her, and I, and I, I knew she was, I was sure she wasn't saved because in that church, the Christian church, you've got to get baptized to be saved. You've got to believe. You, know, you, you don't believe in salvation by grace. And I said, do you know you're going to heaven when you die? And she said, I sure do. I said, what? How, did you, how do you know? And she told me she got saved at a church camp previous year, maybe six months before that, eight months before that, and uh, she was witnessing to people. She was leading people to Christ. And, I mean, it was incredible. And I said, you know, God, she must be the one. And, you know, she, she went back to Indiana, and she started writing. She started writing me. There you go. I wrote her first. But she, 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 she wrote me back, and, and I'll never forget the first letter she sent me. She was in, she said, my principal called me into the office the other day, and she thought she might have been in trouble or something. He called her in and said, what's happened to you? You have changed. You're different. What? Tell me what's about your life. And she said, he gave me my chance to tell him about how to go to heaven, how to share, you know, plan a salvation with him. And she told him how she got saved and talked to him about his salvation. And, and, he, and he, she left. When he left, she left. She said, you know, he said, you know, I'm not ready but you made me think about some things. And right after that, it was not too far away from graduation, and they had a contest at their high school. And it was a big school. Franklin High School now has about 1,600 students. They probably had just a little bit under that back in those days. At that school, public high school, the kid, the seniors, they had a valedictorian speak, and then they had another senior speak who represented the class. And they had a contest. You, can, you write out a speech, and then you give that speech, and you turn it in, and whoever has the best speech gets to give it. She wrote about, she, wrote, she said, I had to get in that contest. I wanted to tell the school what happened to me and give my testimony. So she wrote about the Prince of Peace and how people in the world were looking for drugs and looking for things that were uh, material possessions. And, said, you'll, and they were looking for peace, but they're looking in the wrong place because you'll never find peace in your life until you know Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And she read, I've got a, somewhere a copy of that. And, and uh, they voted her out. They had, I forget how many, 20 people that entered. And she got to go up there. And I was there the night she gave that speech in, in, at the high school. And, um, you know, that's, that's been a long time ago. You know, life goes by so quickly. Um, and now, we, then we went up to uh, Hiles Anderson College. And uh, that was crazy. That was an amazing place. And, Got to meet Dr. Jack Housen. I would sit there in church on Sunday nights and look up at him like, well, someday I'm going to be like him, a preacher. I'm going to be in the ministry full time. And I was excited. Now, man, I, he was 46 years old at that time when I was in college. You think about that. 24, 24 years older than he was now. And pe those kids in my Bible college, like today, those kids look up at your pastor. Wow, someday, yeah, me too. You know, life, life goes by, young people, very quickly. And, um, you know, uh, 
I want young people, I know how hard it is to be serious about your life when you're young. But if I could testify about something that's helped my life is that I've tried to stay focused on what God wants me to do by every single day thinking that someday I'm going to die. And I have no more chance to serve. And your life's going to go by quickly too. Young people, before you know it, you may be in junior high right now, but you'll be in senior high school before long. You get in college. You'll finish college, hopefully, and you, and you get out, and you get a job, and then guess what? You're going to get married probably, right? And uh, you get married, and then you start having kids. Before you know it, your kids are in elementary school, junior high like you are now. They're in high school, and they, they go to college, and they get married, and before you know it, you're a grandfather. Last time I saw him, we had no grandkids. I think both of us now. He's got 14, and I got four. I mean, life goes by so quickly. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to the end of my life and look back and regret the way I've spent my life for him. Do you? And I do have regrets. Night comes not only very quickly, but night comes on those that are lost. And Jesus is teaching us that, the Bible says, that as is appointed unto man once to die, but after this cometh the judgment. Young people, because people are lost, we must, we must live our lives for him. Will you realize that night is coming on people that are lost and they go to an eternal hell? Other things don't seem very important. Material possessions, popularity, awards, honors, money, a good job. Those things are all okay, but there's only one thing that's really going to matter when you breathe your last breath. That is what you did for him. Did you listen to what he was telling his disciples. Wake up. This is what I'm living. This is why I came and gave my life for you disciples because salvation. And you and I will be so foolish if we spend our lives on things that are so temporal and so little on things that are forever and ever and ever. And I told you about the the Bible schools that came as a part of your starting those churches in the Philippines, eight Bible colleges. And one of the last one that was not started by one of the, the men you helped in 2006 was by a young man whose name was Prince Angelia. He was from Mindanao, has a unique background. But the prince grew up, his father was murdered when he was six months old. His, uh, his father was a good man. He was a carpenter, and he would build houses for people, and he would um, often even help build a house for a poor person and, and charge him virtually nothing. Just a, he was just a really good man. But um, he was murdered. He was, he was uh, the MPAs, who are the New People's Army, the communist rebels there, thought he was a spy for the military, and so they ransacked his house. He told them that he was gonna, they were going to kill him, and he didn't have a lot of money, so he just went from place to place trying to hide, and he finally had a nervous breakdown, staying with his relatives, his brothers. And those people in the mountains there where he was were very superstitious. One night, those brothers got together, and they took him out to a place all alone. And uh, they, they took him. They got clubs out and beat him like an animal and beat him to death. That's how his dad died. He grew up in 1999. He senior in high school, someone started a church from our Bible college out there, and, and he went to that church and got saved. Amen. But he still wanted to go to secular college and study criminology. He wanted to become a police officer so he could figure out who killed his dad and get revenge and get justice. 
But after three years of college, he decided that wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to go to Bible college and become a pastor. And he came to our Bible college, graduated, and in 2012, you helped him start a church. And uh, they're in, in, that, in Mindanao, in Digo City. And he was a little bit older. He was on our staff quite a few years, and really an older guy, and started a Bible school not long after he started his church. And they've started 11 churches out of that school the last, I think, five or six years. But you know, you know, God has used your church in such a great way, not just our ministry, but so many others. You think about it. And, um, you know, I, this kind of message is needed in other churches, I'm sure, more than this. But young people, you know, if I could just try to share how God has blessed us, now, I mean, with getting to spend our lives in a way we would never dream, where people are open to the gospel, we see people saved. We get to go to public schools where, where you can uh, win people. Just you know, speak in front of the students, and it's legal. I mean, they let you come in, and, and people are open, and you're supposed to get permission from the parents. They don't even let you do that. It's okay. Just speak to them. Come in. It'll help our students more. They'll help them be better students. We, we want you to come in. Uh, God has a much better plan for your life than anything you could ever even dream of. But you have to trust him. How can you expect God to trust you with his blessings, true riches, if you don't trust him with the decision in your life? You put your life in God's hands and let him show you what he can do. But you have to surrender 100%. He wants it all. He wants every bit of you. You don't have to be perfect. He knows you're going to make mistakes like these disciples. But he knows, if he, when he knows your heart, like he knew his disciples. They would end up being faithful the rest of their lives and even being martyrs. You put your trust in him, and he'll put you first. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will. All these things will be added unto you. You know, John said, and I'll close with this, John 10, 10. It's a great verse. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. There is no abundant life in this world. People think they have a good life, and they come into their life, and they're, they're, it's not there. You live for Jesus. Man. More than you can ever imagine. You'll have trials. Everybody does, right? Man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. You are going to have problems no matter what you do. You might as well have to be on the Lord's team, right? You have somebody with you, too, don't you? Somebody's your friend. He's with you all the time. And he'll do more than you could ever imagine. Just surrender to him. And I promise you tonight, I promise you, God will not disappoint you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.